Nothing sets quality time to us quite like a road trip. And we love every part. The rest stops, the not-so-healthy snacks, the car games. It's all an adventure. We have a road trip coming up, and I'm so excited to just unplug from the world and connect with our kids. Penn, humor me for a second. Close your eyes and try to picture the perfect car for a road trip. Hmm, so I'm seeing like a massive amount of cargo space, you know, so that packing could be a little bit easier for you. And so kind of you. <laughs> well, thankfully, the perfect car is more than just a dream because the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has all that and so much more. And you can learn more at NissanUSA.com. And if you love road trips as much as we do, Check out the new season of Roundabout for stories about road trips, relationships, and the memories made along the way. Be sure to tune into our episode to hear more about the rest stop that taught Penn how to slow down on the hot fries. I still can't believe we told that story on a <laughs> on microphone. A microphone. Yep, we did. <laughs> season two is live now with episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Nothing says quality time to us quite like a road trip. And we love every part. The rest stops, the not-so-healthy snacks, the car games. It's all an adventure. We have a road trip coming up, and I'm so excited to just unplug from the world and connect with our kids. Penn, humor me for a second. Close your eyes and try to picture the perfect car for a road trip. Hmm, so I'm seeing like a massive amount of cargo space, you know, so that packing could be a little bit easier for you. And so kind of you. <laughs> well, thankfully, the perfect car is more than just a dream because the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has all that and so much more. And you can learn more at NissanUSA.com. And if you love road trips as much as we do, Check out the new season of Roundabout for stories about road trips, relationships, and the memories made along the way. Be sure to tune into our episode to hear more about the rest stop that taught Penn how to slow down on the hot fries. I still can't believe we told that story on a <laughs> on microphone. On a microphone. Yep, we did. <laughs> season two is live now with episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. everybody. I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Ben Holderness. Thank you so much for clicking on the Holderness Family Podcast. And this is our book club edition. Book club! We want to make this accessible. So we're not going to give any huge spoilers about the characters. So if you want to read the book later, this will just be a good setup for you. And also Penn is joining us. He's representing the people who show up to book club who just want to drink the wine. That's right, Kim. So he hasn't actually read the book, but he's it, the, the premise of it is deeply fascinating, so I promise it'll be a good one. Yeah, I've never been to a book club, and so I'm really excited about this. What I've heard from book clubs is that it leads to some deep discussions, mm -hmm. even from those who are just there for the wine. Exactly. And, and apparently there's quite a few of those. Yeah, so quick housekeeping. We have some new merch items coming into our shop and details about our next book and game. We should do a book club for your book, Penn. Yes, when it comes out. Yes, yeah, so we have. Some, we're going to have some good Black Friday specials. So stay informed. Go to our newsletter. It's theholdernessfamily.com slash newsletter. Sign up there. And we'll, you know, kind of keep you in the loop. Okay, this week we have Nikki Ehrlich, author of The Measure, on our podcast. And we're going to try a new format. Like I said, it's a book club. You guys, we asked for questions. You sent some great ones in. And before we get started and uh, have Nikki join us via Zoom, we are going to give you a little bit of her background and then some background of the book. Yeah, Nikki Ehrlich's debut novel, The Measure, was an instant New York Times bestseller upon publication in June of 2022. 
My wife immediately read it, I remember, and was very excited, could not put it down. Her work has appeared on Today, New York Magazine, Newsweek, The Huffington Post, Literary Hub, Indigard Travel, Book Trib, and Vox Media, basically everywhere. Uh, as a travel writer, she explored nearly a dozen countries on assignment from rural villages in France to the Arctic fjords of Norway. As a ghostwriter, she's written for CEOs, entrepreneurs, and academics. Nikki graduated Harvard University, summa cum laude, and was an editor of the Harvard Crimson. She earned her master's degree in global thought from Columbia University. Uh, remind me to ask her, like what, that's, that's really fancy education uh -huh. right there. How that impacted or, uh, do, do, do like how many times has she shown her GPA? Right. Like, or, did she, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As we're navigating the, the college process yeah. with, a, with a teenager, <laughs> I'm a like, good idea. did Harvard help you in this? Okay. Are uh, you hoping uh, the answer is no? I, I'm hoping because <laughs> here's my thing about school is that, I mean, Harvard's great. That's a very impressive live in a resume, but gosh, you know, I kind of want Lola to have a life too. Lola has enough. She has good enough grades. She could go to Harvard. But my God, God, I mean, did you have a good time? Anyway, here we go. About the measure. The measure follows eight characters and their intertwined journey as they contemplate the length of their life and how they live it. It starts like this. On a particular day, a box appears on the doorstep of every person over the age of 22. Seriously, if you live in a tent, a box appears, it finds you. If you live in a you know apartment, it finds you. On the box is an inscription. It says, the measure of your life lies within. Inside the box is a string, and quickly it's deduced that the length of the string is the length of your life. So, Of your remaining life or of your total, total life? Total so life. So if you have a short string, your life is going to be shorter. People are faced with the question, do I want to know how long I'll live? Do you open the box? So all of a sudden the world changes. So society collectively discriminates against people who are short stringers. And so the fate of these characters, some who know how long they live and some who've made the choice to not open it up, they're all intertwined in a very beautiful way. And, and they're so thought-provoking okay yeah so can i ask a, a stupid question before she gets on it's not I, stupid i don't want her to, okay no stupid so questions. let's say i'm 80 okay and the string tells me that i'm going to live to be 81 is my string long because i'm already 80 or is it tiny because i've only got one more year i think it would be long because you've lived a long time so the string is the total number of years i believe so okay i yes. got it and and i guess like over you can the, add, that's not a dumb question well, I feel like anyone who's read this book would know the answer. But I think it sounds it's like just you're not long. Really sure. No, no, okay. no. I think it's long. I, I don't think it's your remaining life. I think it's so, your total. So life. the world figures it out and they take it up to a ruler because someone online has figured it out and they're like, okay, this is 81 years. Right. That's how it works. Yeah. So through okay. technology, you know, eventually people are able to decide. You know, they're able to tell within within a few days just, not 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 the exact moment you'll die but like with a very like oh i have another two weeks okay okay she's here let's okay, uh, let's, let's bring her, her on and I, I feel like i'm gonna seem really dumb asking this question no. but i'm gonna ask it anyway no you're not okay here comes nikki so welcome to the show nikki ehrlich thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be here oh i am so excited i'll tell you i stumbled upon your book in a very organic way we were at the beach and we were in a beach house and a previous renter had left it and really? so, yeah, had, had probably, which I do that too. I, That's like I, a cool thing to I do. I try to leave books yeah. behind if I'm pla in places. And so I was like, well, this would be great. And read it very quickly, became upset. Just, and again, it started such good conversation. So first of all, thank you. And then congratulations on its success. Thank you so much. It's, it's been a wild ride. I'm, I'm 
feeling super, super lucky. Wow. And as a debut novel, this has got to be, I mean, take me back to where the idea of this came from and then your writing process. Like, did it come to you in a cloud and then all of a sudden you just like took off writing (laughs) nonstop or did you have to really, was it, you know, a process? Yeah, it came to me a while ago, back in like 2018. I had the idea based on ancient Greek mythology and that they they believed in these three fates, the idea that these three goddesses um, would weave these strings of life for all of the mortals down below. Mm-hmm. And I just found that really fascinating, the idea that there were these three women who had this power, three sisters. And I thought, what if these strings were real? And what if we humans could see them? What would we do with them? How would they affect us you know, individually in our personal lives and our professional lives? And then how might they affect kind of the whole of society and, and larger communities? And so I started writing 2018, 2019. I had a, a job at the time. I was working as a travel writer. And so the writing was, was going slowly. It was more kind of evenings and weekends. And then of course, March 2020 happened and working in the travel industry at the time, you know, I got laid off mm-hmm. uh, within kind of 48 hours of sort of the news wow. breaking here. Must have been the most unsurprising call of all time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was surprising how quickly it happened yeah. going yeah. from, you know, oh, something is happening kind of in other countries, but not here. We're OK. And then, you know, I remember watching the news and I think the day that maybe Tom Hanks got, yeah. got COVID. That was, just, yeah, that, that, that did it to really all of scary. us. Right, yeah. that was the day that it really hit here. And I think probably the next morning I lost my job I'm because, <laughs> no, it, it, it was very sort of shocking and, you know, destabilizing at the time. And I I, I was very upset. I, I was sort of crying to my parents. What am I going to do now? But I'm, I'm very fortunate that they they were really the ones who said, well, you know, no one else is going to hire a travel writer right now. So why don't you really finish this book that you've been trying to write? And so I ended up kind of using that time to really just spend kind of feverish 12 hour days writing and kind of finish the first draft of the book um, in just a couple of months of sort of my my unemployed quarantine days. Mm-hmm. I, I remember in you know, during quarantine and during COVID, we were very busy. We were producing kind of like silly, you know, song and dance content. And it was the busiest we had ever been. But I I think you could probably find moments on this podcast where I say, I can't wait to see the art created out of this pandemic because it gave people such time. And I'm sorry you lost your job, but I must thank you for losing (laughs) your job because if you hadn't, you wouldn't have the chance to have created this, right? Yeah, it it really has change my perspective. It's it's something that I'm trying to hold on to that, you know, something that feels in the moment, like this terrible thing, I, you know, how can any, any good come out of this? And then you just don't know. And so I, you know, now a year later, two years later, I'm looking back and that was such a, such a blessing in disguise that that happened. And I have to kind of, I'm trying to reframe my view toward kind of what feels like failure, what feels like setback in the moment and just think you never know you know, when you look back on this, what it actually is going to turn into. That's a really beautiful message that I think we all need to be reminded of. Yeah. I'm really curious when we talk to authors, because um, we, we've we written nonfiction. We've written one book, Pen is Turning in a Manuscript, like it's due, f- we're doing like the final, final, final check is due Friday. So on a nonfiction I, I kind of know how that process seems for us, at least. What is on, on a fiction book, you're saying 12 hour days. Did you know how you wanted the characters to end? Or is this like, are you just doing brain dump? It's just coming out of your fingers. 
Yeah, there's the big kind of debate among fiction writers. If you're, you know, if you plot things out in advance, you have an outline, you know everything, or you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and just figure it out as you go. Um, I had an ending in mind for all of the characters, but I had no idea how I was going to get there. (laughs) So I was really just writing my way towards an ending and also kind of being open to the fact that the book would change, that I came up with the idea for the book in 2018. It it was a concept that kind of dealt, you know, very head on with with questions of life and death and kind of facing your mortality and, and sort of bigger questions about community. And so then I had to be open to things changing based on what was going on in the world, based on, you know, watching the way the pandemic unfolded, watching kind of political events at the time. And so a lot of the story really changed as I was writing based on just what was happening outside my window. Mm -hmm. And so the, the process was really evolving. It's been a question that I've been asked and it's been in the book of questions. It's been a philosophical question that you've asked around the campfire in college, like for your entire life. Like if you could know the absolute time and date of your death, would you want to know it? So this, that concept itself has been around for a while. I think that your mechanism has not like just imagining a world where it's just freely and openly given to people and all they have to do is open the box. Yes. And I, I gathered I, all that from having never read the book. <laughs> I did, but I think it's a great concept. Did, Thank what, you. Yeah, I, so we, we asked our audience for questions and one of them said, you know, did you think of any other units of measure besides a string? But you were saying the string kind of came organically because of the three fates. Yes, the string was sort of the original idea. And then the box came a little later because I didn't want people to be forced to see their string. I want it to be, you know, as, as you said, a, a choice. Like, do I want to know this or not? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, how could you, how could it be this choice? And then because I was thinking about kind of Greek mythology, I remembered Pandora's box and mm-hmm. thought maybe oh, it yeah. can be, you know, a Pandora's box for each person. And it becomes this question of, you know, do you have the willpower to kind of resist the temptation to look? <laughs> So that question actually came from Debbie Thomas in California. I would acknowledge the people who sent in questions. And then Melissa Knights from Florida asked about the backstory, which you sort of answered. And then this question came from Stephanie Batista, who I I had the same question. You never really answer where the strings come from. Is there a reason that we, we never really know where the strings in the boxes originate from? Yes, definitely. It was a decision I had to make early on and one that I kind of went back and forth on. Uh, and one that I know has, you know, has prompted some controversy. Some people tell me that they, they're very, you know, grateful that they don't get this answer. Other people tell me they're very upset that they didn't get this (laughs) answer, but I think I, I wanted to tell a human story and not necessarily a story about, you know, these supernatural strings and where they came from and who's creating them. I wanted, I was more interested in what we as people do with them and what we do kind of in our, our individual choices in our lives. And then what we do as you know, a broader community, when you are divided between some people who have this knowledge, some people who don't have the knowledge, people who know they're living a short life, people who know they're living a long life, of what does that do to us as a community? That was more fascinating for me necessarily than coming up with the idea of where the boxes came from. Mm-hmm. But I, I acknowledge that I was sort of, you know, going to maybe upset some people with that withholding. Well, <laughs> so my favorite book of all time is a sci-fi book and it's called Seven Eves. And it's the first sentence is that the moon blew up with uh, no prior warning. And then, the, then oh, it's an amazing book. It's and then it's like eight, it's 800 pages of the, an, an, you know, oh the, the annihilation <laughs> of Earth as a result of the moon blowing up. But they never explain why. 
and 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 so neil stevenson the the author gets he gets this same thing and he's like no it doesn't matter what matters story what matters is the effect (laughs) not the cause so so you're there with him and and i agree with it i also think sometimes it's fun like i I love the end of the sopranos why everyone got mad at that yeah like just it just goes to black like use your imagination and let that be part of it because it's not important i don't know if you've noticed i'm not really asking questions i'm just making comments over here (laughs) he's drinking his i'm just just swizzling my my savvy bee and i'm just making drunk comments and pretending (laughs) like i've read the book when i haven't so the question obviously most people asked Penn and I, and then I'm sure you've been asked this in every single interview, is would you open your box? So I ask you first, Nikki, would you open your box to see how long your life would be? At the moment, no, I would not open the box. I would just keep it somewhere in my house kind of that I could see it as a reminder to maybe like live a little more mindfully. You know, it's there, but Right now, I'm very lucky. I'm very happy with my life. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna leave it closed. You said right now. What would change that? Or if, if you were given yeah. that box in March of 2020, <laughs> when things were bleak. Yeah, I, I hopefully I would have been able to keep it closed. I'm, I honestly, I'd be much more tempted to open my my loved ones boxes yeah. but i you know that's that, that's for them to do it's not for me to do i don't know what would change it maybe just a, any big life changes i'd be going through later but right now i'm trying to leave it closed and just kind of live live as well as i can yeah what about you two i hear you i love a spoiler so but knowing that about <laughs> even my, in your own life <laughs> even in my own like i that is one of i mean i deal i'm like very open like i have some like really rocking anxiety and part of it is because i just want to know how things are going to go yes, and i I, I exert c- control in my life I, I try to control things i can control and i get a little anxious because i don't know how it's going to turn out none of us do right yeah. so I would not want to open it because I want to, I strive to be the type of person that could like, let's live every day. Like it's my last, like, let let me live every day as if this is my last. Yes. But I know that in a weak moment, I'll just be like, you know, F this and I would open it. So I would be one that would have to just immediately destroy it because I would be really (laughs) tempted And like you, if if I knew his box was available, like in a weak moment, I would totally open his because that's something I very I have anxiety about that too about my loved ones. <clears throat> and of course, the, you know, so he would need to figure out like a way to hide that from me if he didn't want to know. <laughs> what about you, Penn? I would not want to know. Mm-hmm. I would not open it. I would give it, and I think everyone should do this. I would give it to not a family member or like a friend, but like someone who knows me kind of well and have them open it so that so that the day before I die they can organize and plan a living funeral but then That's you would, really interesting no so, one's ever i've never heard that so that before. and i think everyone should do this so that like because the you one don't know i mean okay that's that's if knowing you're like if you knew the day i don't want people to come to my funeral after i'm already dead i want them to come to my funeral while i'm still alive and then be like all right i'm dying tomorrow and like i would want that just because i just surrounding i've been around a lot of funerals and i've been around a lot of slow crazy crappy deaths and i've been around a lot of dementia over the last couple of years. But that's the thing. And, if you had dementia, because like, spoiler, okay, here's the other there thing. is dementia in his family. So if they here's knew, the other thing. if you're no, going to live 10 years. Yeah, but yeah. I'm giving it to my friend. And if they find out, like if, if I start like displaying some, they can make that decision for me. But if, if I die in like a, a plane accident, 
then you know go ahead and just do the funeral the day before let's say it's like next week and i'm like okay i guess i'm dying tomorrow there's nothing i can do about it the string's like batting a thousand right did there's proof i'm guessing in the book that there's proof that there's nothing you can do to change it and there's probably people who tried to cheat it who failed Absolutely. Well, that was another question I had. I, you know, one of the things I'm like, did the people live their lives to end it sooner? I'm like, did we did we work ourselves into our own fate? Yeah. Is that's the question sure. I have. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you think, Nikki? Yeah, it definitely. It was a question that came up early in the writing too. Of you know, does seeing seeing the length of your string then cause you to behave in a way that kind of creates the result of the string? And I think, you know, it's a possibility for some people, but, you know, I wanted it to be that you can't change kind of when the string ends, but you don't know how the string ends. And so that could be changing based on kind of the the way you're living your life. And also it's made very clear in the book early on that people who, you know, people have a super long string, they're going to live to 110 years old. Um, They become more kind of, maybe they take more risks. They become, you know, they're going to go jump out of a plane. They're going to do all these things because they have this really long string, but that doesn't mean that you're immune to, to suffering, to injury, to being in a coma for 50 of those years, to mm-hmm. going to jail for things that you've done and living your hundred years in prison. And so it's this, you know, just because you see this in the box, that doesn't mean that kind of everything in your life is guaranteed. You're not guaranteed kind of health and happiness. And so that to me is, you know, you still have all the willpower to kind of pursue a life of, of purpose and meaning and happiness no matter when that string ends. Hey, hang in there. We're going to be right back. Hey, it's Sharon. And here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. You've already grabbed a few things for our next beach trip, right? I grabbed the tiered maxi dress in black and you know what it has. Well, if it's you, because you want to have like the pockets, right? Pockets! I'm already thinking of grabbing two more in lilac and blue because once you find one thing you like, you just have to get it in multiple colors. Plus, lightweight and breathable at half the cost I'd pay at another retailer. All right, friends, it is time to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash holderness for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash holderness to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash holderness. 
Okay, listeners, as you know, we talk a lot about ADHD on our show. And how to love and support those who have it. And nobody does it better than my lovely wife, Kim. Oh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, one thing about ADHD, especially for kids, is that the feeling of boredom can be especially intense. That's for sure. And one place most kids struggle with boredom is in the car ride. Yeah, when you're in that ride, you may want to whip out the smartphone or the tablet, and it can be an intense need whether your kid has ADHD or not. They get sucked right in, and they receive those shots of dopamine straight to the dome. When I want to play music or listen to a podcast, I get a little worried about inappropriate words or messaging, so it's not always easy agreeing on what to listen to. Right, so Kim and I want to share with you a new podcast we discovered called Wild Interest, and it's got something for all of us. That's right. Wild Interest is the first and only podcast out there created and hosted entirely by kids. It covers so many fun and interesting topics from what is a leap year to the solar eclipse to an NFL quarterback. It's funny and interesting enough to even hold Penn's ever-wandering attention. And that's saying something. Give it a listen. Find Wild Interest anywhere you get your podcasts. This is a question from Heather Head. Do you believe the world could really go in the direction your book did when we have more advancement in medical knowledge in the future that may be able to predict life expectancy down to the year? Is that something you you see for us? Yeah, I mean, definitely the book is kind of fantasy sci-fi, of course, because I assume there will never be a situation in which we have the ability to predict kind of random accidents and Mm -hmm. things that would end someone's life early. But definitely, I think there's ways in which some of the questions of the book are... They're questions that people are facing right now, not even necessarily in the future, but people who you know, have uh, genes for certain kind of terminal illnesses in their family, they're essentially being asked the question of, do I want to look at the string or not? Do I want to yeah. test to see if I have this gene or not? And I, I read kind of personal essays of people who have the gene for Huntington's or other diseases in their families as part of my research around kind of how would people face this, this question. And so it's Certainly, I think going to be even more and more in the future, more kind of ability to to get ourselves tested and see what kind of our life prediction is like. But it's already here for for people as well. Were you trying to draw a parallel to the way the short string community was treated in the book to issues we've been facing in our communities right now? Yeah, absolutely. Once I kind of created this sense that in the in the communities there would be a divide between people who have short strings and people who have long strings and that kind of politicians would sort of prey upon this divide and people would start becoming kind of fearful of people who have these short strings of you know who knows what they're going to do they're you know they're they're reckless they're kind of unstable i try to kind of parallel the divide in that community to kind of the way that our society has historically operated and the way that we kind of label ourselves and put ourselves into these groups you know you're in uh, you're on this side and I'm on this side and and there's not always a lot of kind of empathy and compassion in between. And we have this just intense sort of tribalism and, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, discrimination against each other. And I mean, we've always behaved this way. And so I felt it was pretty unfortunately natural that the people in this book would behave this way, but I wanted the book to really be kind of a, a testament to the fact that, that empathy and compassion among people who are different from each other can always kind of triumph over those forces of, of mm-hmm. prejudice and division, no matter how much kind of power we give them, that there's always, you know, personally, I like to believe and hope that kind of love and and sort of respect and empathy will win out in the end. Did you have a, a wine club question? There, uh, yeah, I was about the wine club in here <laughs> okay. a little bit. So it, it does seem to me like when, like it was probably intentional when you wrote this book that you wanted this to spawn conversations for, yes. for the subject who's reading the book. I also noticed 
as we were doing this, that you had a different answer from her and from me. And the reasons why were all incredibly personal, right? Like her answer has to do with the way her brain works with her anxiety, with her fear of the unknown. Mine is centered almost entirely around having two parents who had dementia, who died who, or are dying in like a slow, absolutely devastatingly painful manner and wanting to like find a reclaim some kind of control over it. When you wrote this book, did you realize that you were going <laughs> to, that this whole self discovery was going to be a part of it? No, I think I, I wrote what felt like an interesting story that was kind of bringing up some interesting questions. And uh, it felt very relevant for me during the time of my life that I was writing during a moment of, of huge uncertainty for me kind of personally and professionally. And then for you know the world as a whole, I, I too have sort of struggled with anxiety for a long time. And, and a lot of this book was me trying to kind of come to terms with what it means to be human, which is that, you know, bad things happen to good people, things happen out of our control. And we, we have to somehow find a way to accept that in order just to live our lives. And, you know, a lot of the struggle in the book was me kind of dealing with that myself, but the conversations that it sparked and sort of the self-reflection that you mentioned has been just a really unexpected surprise. And I mean, this book has been out for over a year now and every day I still get multiple messages from readers kind of to me personally telling me what this book made them think of, what it kind of how it resonated with them, what they're going through in their life. And it's just been, it's just been a huge honor and, and just like a privilege to kind of get these personal stories from readers every single day all around the world. It is really cool. And I've had some fun conversations. I was reading it, as I told you, at the beach. And the, yeah. I wasn't even done with it. And I was we went to dinner with a couple friend of ours. And yeah. I'd asked them, you know, hey, would you would you open? And his answer was one of my favorites. He goes, I love my life right now. I don't want to change anything about it. And I wouldn't change anything about it. So no, I don't want to know. Mm. And I think that's yeah. when you have a level of contentment, you are totally fine to just not know because if he he's like if I died tomorrow I could I know you know I would I, I was doing it right at the end and I think that's amazing yeah I thought that was such a cool answer and it kind of and I of course I love my life and I love, I love the person <laughs> I'm with but I think I would if I knew I had if I knew I had one year I think I would I would seriously try to take you know I would try to enjoy myself a little more and yes. I think there there are many days and there are many weeks where I'm living as if, as if I'm assuming I'm going to be 95. And that's yeah. not guaranteed. So yes. I, I need to sort of have a box on my dresser just to remind myself, I think. Not to get you back into like a stress zone, but because I didn't write the book, write the book or read the book. You didn't write it or read it. Didn't yeah. either. <laughs> um, is there a thing about mothers trying to decide whether or not to read what they're, what they're, what's going to happen to their kids? Because I feel like that would be something you would struggle with. There, there is a part. There is a, okay. a sort of smaller plot line about that. Yeah, because there's so and there and you know partners deciding should I marry this person? Should I have children with this person? You know, knowing or not knowing. You know, are we going to live the same amount of time? Are they going to kind of leave me early? All I, you know, all the different sort of permutations of it. I couldn't explore them all. There's so many kind of yeah. variations that could happen. But I tried to kind of get into a few. But I've heard from a lot of couples that reading the book has become like a couple's therapy session for them because they discuss it together. A lot of times they have different answers and they, you know, it's, it's a chance to kind of bring up something that they maybe haven't talked about before. It, 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 it spawned such good conversations in our house. And so for that, I thank you. So what is, what is next for this book? I hear it's been optioned and for a TV series. 
Yes, which is amazing. Yes. <laughs> I'm very, very honored. Yeah, it, it was optioned by the production company that the Obamas founded, which was, you I've know, heard of them. Okay, so yeah. the most impressive thing possible. You, you, you said the most impressive thing possible. Got it. Okay, got it. Yep, good. Yes. I did have to, yeah, I had to sit down when that phone call came. <laughs> so, call. sorry. It wasn't like, it wasn't. Like Michelle. Wasn't Michelle oh, no, wasn't, no, no, okay. no, 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 <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're a little too busy to make, you know, <sighs> little it. daily phone calls like that. But it was a huge, obviously, just incredible. So fingers crossed that, that you know, something happens there. Oh. But yeah, that was, but no, otherwise, no plans for a sequel or anything at the moment. Yeah. And so tell us. Yeah, this is debut novel, no pressure or anything. So, <laughs> and we talked to Andy Reid, who wrote The Martian, and that was his, mm-hmm. that was his first, right? Love that. No, well, he'd done some. Uh, it was his first full length novel, yes. He was his first, but, but he'd written a he'd, bunch of them. He yeah, didn't publish. He hadn't yeah. published. That's wow. what it was. So he'd written a bunch that maybe hadn't been published. So this was his first, and then that obviously, you know, Matt Damon's That's starring. Incredible. Like, it's incredible. And then I'm always like, okay, no pressure. Like, what do you? So are you working on something now? I'm working on something now. I think has kind of similar themes, and hopefully is equally kind of thought provoking and conversation starting, and has also a kind of an ensemble of characters. I think it, it's very hard for me to write a book that's just in one character's perspective. Yeah. I'm so, what I love about writing is being able to jump into a, a lot of different people's kind of minds who are very different from me. And so I think I'll always be writing books that have at least kind of four or five narrators in them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would be thrilled if this next book sparked kind of half as much, you know, discussion and kind of interesting response as the first one has. Absolutely. So we were reading your intro, you know, before, you know, you joined the Zoom call, kind of introducing you. So you went to Harvard and Columbia. We have, we're parents of a junior in high school. Oh my gosh, that is. Oh no, that's a bad time. No, no, no. But I'm like, that's stressful. I'm like, that's very stressful, as you know, and incredibly (laughs) impressive. So I was like, gosh, do you, and, and so, I ask people who went to these IVs and these, because she has a great, she has, she has the grades for it. She has the scores Amazing. for it, but I'm like, gosh, that feels like a lot of pressure. Do you feel like your, your background Harvard Columbia sets you up for success on this? Or if you had gone to your state school, do you feel like you still would have come up with this amazing novel? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, really. I, I wanted to be a writer since I was like, you know, six years old, seven years old. So I think I really like to think that I would have come to this no matter what. And I think the biggest thing for me, which can happen anywhere, any school, it doesn't even have to have have to happen in school is just having people who believed in me and Mm -hmm. encouraged me and had, I had a series of really amazing teachers starting from when I was in like second grade who kind of just encouraged me to read and encouraged me to kind of enjoy what I was doing and uh, I had teachers start kind of giving me extra books to read outside of class because mm-hmm. they were like, you you know, you seem to be really passionate about this. And so just having like one person who kind of believes in you and encourages you to pursue whatever that passion is. I really think that that's, you know, that's the most important thing. And that can happen, you know, at home, in school, kind of in your local community, anywhere. I, I think that's so amazing that from early on, you knew what you wanted to do. I mean, I, yeah, had, I'm very lucky. You're yeah. very, and you had such a supportive environment. I'm still PS trying to figure out what I want to do. So I think that's really cool yeah. that you had that. 
Well, that's why you guys are maybe doing so much stuff. Yeah. You're doing <laughs> yeah. a lot. We're doing yeah. too much. Uh, and we'll figure out what we want to do when we retire, probably. Yeah. So, um, so, so I, just to back up uh, what Kim said, thank you for not mentioning that you went to Harvard three times before we asked you that question. I know that's a stereotype and I know it's not true for everybody. I would also, I'd also love to know, because this has been such a smashing success, would you be willing to share some of the low points? Maybe some of the, because sometimes it takes failure to get to success. Yeah, absolutely. There were so many times when I was writing this book that I just had the voice of kind of self-doubt and self-criticism was so loud. And, you know, times when I was writing, when I had lost my job, I was, I had to move back in with my parents, which, you know, in my kind of mid twenties, I was living in New York city. I felt like I had, you know, made it. And then I was back to kind of, you know, being in my childhood bedroom. And there were times when I thought, you know, no one's going to read this. Who cares what you have to say? You know, why are you wasting your time? And then kind of once someone wanted to publish the book, and that was, of course, very exciting, very validating. But then as soon as it was, you know, starting to go out into the world, I just thought, you know, everyone, <laughs> everyone's going to hate this book. Everyone's going, And by extension, they're going to hate me. And it was sort of, you know, triggering that, like, I, you know, everyone has to like me, that kind of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not all, not all of the comments are great. You know, I get a lot of really lovely, really beautiful responses to people saying it helped me kind of, you know, it helped me when I was uh, dealing with a loved one's illness. It helped me when I was going through something myself. But then of course there's people who comment, you know, couldn't finish it. Didn't like it at all. Not for me. TLDR. <laughs> right. And, and for every kind of 10 great comments, if there's one bad one, the one bad one is the one that keeps me up at night. And that's the one that I remember. And so there had, so kind of shutting off the, you know, the noise of everybody outside and shutting off that own voice inside of me. That's like, you're, you know, you're not good enough for this. You're not courageous enough to kind of be this vulnerable and put this, you know, put yourself out into the world like this. I had to somehow quiet it all to try to just push through because, you know, because I loved what I was doing and I, and I loved the story and I wanted just like one person to read it and hopefully kind of uh, be moved by it. You guys have a lot in common. Well, thank you so much for, <laughs> no, well, thank you for sharing that. But, I mean, not, I don't want anybody to go through that, but that is, sure. I will say over time, because we've been doing this internet thing for now 10 years, yeah. I did used to, same, there'd be a thousand really positive comments and then one of like, oh, yeah. she looks like an old <laughs> hag. And I'm like, I, that oh, would, no. but, but now I will say it has been 10 years and now it, they don't bother me as much. So I think I've just like mm. hardened a little bit. So yeah. So, I look forward to some more hardening. Over yeah. It, but then. it took, it took a <laughs> decade, I will say. And I will like, we got the publisher, you know, after we pitched our first book and it was, it was, you know, marriage relationship space. Yeah. We got the call that, yeah, they like, we're doing this like here. We, we got the contract for it, but that same day, somebody left a comment on our podcast saying, I can't listen to that woman's voice. You sh- she's so shrill. It's something that's like the very, and I, I was sitting there in tears and Penn's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like we just have this amazing news and he has a bottle yes. of champagne and like, but no, this one man and you know, a basement somewhere thinks I'm shrill. And so now that, now that doesn't, I, I'm like, I have to say, like, I've gotten over that a little bit. So there's hope. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm getting a little bit better. It was 
it was harder at the beginning, of course. And I luckily I had a good team who, you know, my agent editor, they're like, stop reading the comments. They're like, don't read the online comments, (laughs) you know, spare yourself a little bit. But I think, you know, my goal for this book was just to kind of move people the way that I have been moved by so many books in my life. You know, so many books have really touched me and kind of, you know, I still think about them to this day. And so, you know, if it's accomplishing that with some people, it's okay. It's okay if it's not for everybody. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> I feel like that's what a drunk wine lady was. Cause I've had like two, I've had three glasses of Savi B now and I'm just, and I'm not just, in real life folks. Just like he's, he's progressing through at, the book club at the book club. <laughs> Yeah, at this point in the book club, they're not they're not even talking about the book anymore. Nope. Yeah, we've, we've moved who, on. Who, do you, who is your, your celebrity top five exempt list? <laughs> who are the five celebrities that... If, I mean, if you have a short string, you could, you're just going to go sleep with everybody? go sleep with everybody. No, but... Uh, that's, yeah. one, that's one response, yeah. You just yeah. go sleep with everybody. But uh, I think you did want Nikki to, to kind of forecast for herself. I would if love. If she had a vision board for herself. I would love. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully... Hopefully by then I've finished this book I'm currently working on and I'm on to a third book. That would be great. And I don't really, and everything else is kind of up in the air. I, I did a big kind of life change last year. I moved from New York to California and that's been, that was completely unexpected and it's been very exciting. So I think I'm trying to be, to be open to the fact that everything else around it can change as long as, you know, as long as I still have kind of the people I love in my life and, and I'm still doing what I love. I don't know necessarily I don't know the rest of it, and I'm I'm trying to be okay with that. <laughs> I know it's it's hard not yeah. to have a spoiler of your own life. Like I would really love to know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know what else we need to ask? Who? So I don't even know who's the main character in the book. Is there one? Well, main there's character? like eight characters. There's a lot. There's a, they kind of okay. they all intertwine at some point or another. Have you started ever since you got a call from the Obama production company? Are you like in your head casting? Like who you want to play the roles, like people that you would, if you could have anybody, have you done that yet? Because that seems weirdly, like I'm not at all. Okay. And that, and I've seen a lot of people post on Instagram their dream cast, oh, okay. which is super fun. And to all of them, I'm like, yeah, that all yeah. that all works. That's great. They're great. Yeah. But I think what's what's interesting is that when it comes to kind of adaptations, I feel like my perception is that the authors tend to be pretty kind of, you know, a little more hands off. They're like, anything's great. And then it's the readers who get so up in arms about, yes. you know, things that happen if they changed something about their favorite character or yeah. something, you know, they're the ones who get really upset, perhaps even on the author's behalf while the author is not that upset. They're, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is a movie. I feel like that happened. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the bigger yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. You know. <laughs> well, it has been a joy to talk to you. Where can people find out more information about you and keep up with you to know like when book number two is coming up? Where can people find you? Sure. You can find me on Instagram, just my name at Nikki Ehrlich and my website, NikkiEhrlich.com. I'm very, very simple, very easy. I love uh, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been, this has been really great for, for stimulating a book club discussion for me right here. <laughs> well, thank you so much, so much for joining us. Thank you. So quick postmortem. How did, like, this is your first book club. How did you think that go? Was the wine lady too, too loud? I thought too the much? wine lady asked really good questions. Really? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> for, like, it makes me think I should go to more book clubs, but they don't really have those for men um, around here. I need them to start one. First of all, thank you to everybody who sent in questions. I was trying to read names, but it occurred to me that some of the questions, I didn't get the names in there. But what I would love to hear from my friends out there on the interwebs is a did you like that 
B, well, you're, you're going to like the book. You're going to like the book if you haven't read it. If you, if you appreciated the book discussion, and if you did, what do you think we should read next? I'm always up for suggestions. And then in theory, we'd have the author on. So, and then maybe we this could turn into a big live Zoom situation. Yeah, like we invite some of our others, our, our friends, well, we like could our say, listeners. Hey, Anybody you know, who wants to do it can jump on. Yeah, like 7 p.m. on Wednesday. And, yeah. we could, and then we can either have people ask questions in there or whatever and just lead it live would be kind of fun and then i mean i didn't I hope it wasn't disrespectful that you haven't read the book to her was that disrespectful no we made it very clear that it was representing part of the book club okay and by the way i'm happy to read we could try you know what we could do we could try another one of these where i actually do read the book yeah because i actually did kind of want to read this one but we do that all the time i feel like it's we did the we did the uh, Michael Easter we both read that book like we've yeah. like, we've read that's true and that could yeah yeah I think it's I honestly this is I think this could be its own Kim spinoff and I could roll in whenever uh, you needed me to which could also be not at all if you just wanted to make it a ladies' night I'm totally fine with that but I have been curious about this one in particular ever since I saw the effect that it had on you which was it it diverted you. It made you think. It made you, you just would, you know that Kim likes a book when she just disappears in the middle of the day to go read a book. Well, I mean, we were also given the gift of, of vacations. Yeah. But I think even, maybe even when we got home, I can't remember, at some point you'd just be like, I'm going to go read my book. And when that happens, that means it's a good book. Yeah. Well, we love you guys for listening. Thanks for being here. Share with somebody who read the book. Okay, Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas... You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of 
real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.